Yo, what's up everyone? My name is Drew Joyner. Some of you may know me as Drew What I Do on YouTube, and I am the host of season two of the Beyond the Garment podcast, a podcast dedicated to enriching the lives of others, where each week I invite a brand new guest on the show within the realm of fashion, culture, and or art to talk about their life and their experiences. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to come listen to this podcast. It means a ton to me. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to whoever's on the other side of this audio. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week of the Beyond the Garment podcast. We have an exceptional woman-led sustainable brand and guest for this week's podcast episode. I'm so excited. Uh, Let's get into the breakdown pre-intro. So on the show this week, we have the founder and the creative director of sustainable woman-led dead stock focused brand Past Life The Collective. And the guest we have is Berkeley Baring Gamble. She grew up in and around the Colorado area. She ended up going to CU, the University of Colorado. She was a soccer player. She has a very fascinating backstory. And I think a lot of people who want to understand the process of building a sustainable brand, she kind of breaks that down. And I try to get her to open up about her experiences when building and how she's been able to build her sustainable brand. So if you're into those things, stay tuned. It's going to get a lot of fun. And hopefully you guys enjoy the episode. If you do, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All right, let's get into the live intro. As a lot of us know, sustainability in the fashion industry is something that has been lacking for the last 50 plus years. But in 2021, there are a ton of very passionate people trying to move the sustainable needle forward in fashion. Berkeley Baring Gamble is one of those individuals and is the founder and the creative director of her very own brand, Past Life The Collective, where she you know, does such fantastic work. I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. Berkeley, how are you doing this morning? Um, That was so, that was such a nice intro. I'm great. That just perked up my day. So thank you. (laughs) That's good. That's good. That's what I try to do. You know, I try to boost the egos of the guests that come on, you know, a little bit, just give them a little compliments here and there. But I think you're actually doing great work. So not that it's out of nothing, you know what I mean? Thank you. Yeah. But it's good to be reminded because it's definitely a hard industry and sometimes you wonder but thank you no totally it's it's a it's a grind it's a grind everything's a grind it seems like these days <laughs> that is true there's a lot of truth to that cool well i'm super excited to have you on today let's just get right into it jump into the first question learn a little bit about you i'm super excited to learn about you because i've done like you know a little bit of research and like you obviously don't know how the person is until you hear their voice that kind of thing so the first question I want to ask you is you know what is your background where are you from and how's like you're growing up as a kid um all right so I'm born and raised I was born and raised in Boulder Colorado and grew up like the baby of the family and was very like free child like constantly getting in trouble for running around the neighborhood naked and like was just and was really <laughs> creative and um I like from a young age was cutting like cutting pants sewing beads on them spray painting them but then at the same time I also got super into sports and Mm. I come from a very athletic family 
Um, both mm-hmm. my parents are all Americans and oh wow yeah so sports became like the path and um, I got really serious about soccer and that just kind of like encompassed all of me once I got like the age of 14 pretty much and then yeah um yeah it was like really had my sights set on being a college athlete and so yeah. I went and did that and um really lost like the creative side of me until I became an adult and you know life out of college and I'm um, starting to embrace that and then also I've always been like a uh, like an environmentalist from a, from the minute I learned yeah. about any of that stuff just really wanted to make the world better and like I think a lot of millennials um and Gen Z people like kind of are stuck with that plague of like wanting to make the world better and feeling like that's like part of their mission in life and that is very much something Mm -hmm. that I went through growing up Mm -hmm. totally totally let's dive into the sports a little bit I always love to hear when someone has a sports background because I have one we were talking about it a little bit before even the episode but walk us through your journey was it it was soccer right walk us through your journey through soccer and just playing the sport in the ups the downs and kind of it had to have molded you a little bit obviously yeah it molded me big time um when I so I was like very very serious about soccer like on my on my way through the like olympic programs trying to like get onto um like youth olympic rosters all that stuff but I my junior year of high school when I had like all these offers from colleges I blew my knee out I tore my ACL my MCL and my meniscus yeah um and like almost all the schools dropped it except one um and that was University of Washington and I went there and that was great they were like top 16 in the country when I committed there um and then I got there and during preseason I tore my other ACL Oh my goodness, (laughs) that is just, ah. Yeah, and so that kind of, that moment, like, really, before that, I was, like, honestly, really cocky, like, very, like, I, I, my personality has changed a lot, um, I'm, like, a lot more grounded down to earth than I used to be, and that was, like, a pivotal point in my life, because I started, like, a really intense mental health battle that I didn't even know at the time. Um, but I ended up having to transfer, I transferred back to Boulder. Um, Cause that's where home was. And I got mm. home and like, I'm like, I'm a pretty like freckly girl. My hair was like Brown. I had no freckles. Like I was just, I had gained a ton of weight and my parents were like, what's wrong with you? And I think this was still this, you know, this was a time when like mental health was still pretty taboo to talk about. And so right like I didn't know and then um I finally like went and saw someone and I got diagnosed with like depression anxiety all that stuff Mm -hmm. I had to drop out of school because I like couldn't even go get my books without having like a panic attack um I know and then I decided so I like recovered a little bit and I decided I still want to play soccer so I Mm -hmm. came back from that ACL tear and then I was at CU and I tore my ACL again. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and <Wow. laughs> I'm just thinking about my ACLs and MCLs right now. Like, no. I know, yeah. Man. For people who have, it's definitely been a journey for sure. Uh, so, yeah. and yeah. I, like a psycho person, continued playing, like came back from that and tried to keep playing. And then, like, 
eventually it just got to a point uh the coach and I really didn't the coach didn't like me and it just got to a point where I was like I'm so miserable I'm not playing like why am I holding on to this like part of me that I you know, because, like, as athletes, you just, like, wrap your entire identity around that stuff. And I was like, Absolutely. I need to figure out who Berkeley is. Like, I'm not a soccer player. Like, there's so much more to me, and I just need to go do that. So I quit and then and really enjoyed the last bit of college that I had and then, you know, popped off into adult world. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think you make a good point about an athlete's identity because I had the same kind of thing. And maybe – we can even talk about your injuries a little bit too. Like, you know, when you get injured in a sport, it's it's almost like if you're a computer science major or something like that, and like your finger, you can't type anymore. It's like, what do you do with yourself? How do you conduct, you know, who you are and what you do and what you enjoy doing, but you can't type? Or with with an athlete, you can't, like you're injured, you're rehabbing for, you know, and for ACLs, I don't know the timetable for soccer, but I know for basketball, it's it can be a year it can be eight months it could be you know a very very long time to rehab something like that which is really crazy um and it, it, it's unfortunate i know that probably hurt you and like you mentioned like you alluded to the the depression and things that come on with like damn i can't even i can't even do <laughs> what i like love to do and so i, I can only imagine how difficult like I, I, there's so many guys that i know who have been injured and they're basically their career is over great great players um, and it happens all the time. And so that life after sports is really interesting because I think there's a lot of paths. You can go down a path where maybe you're trying to find yourself. And I think you've done an interesting job and a good job of rekindling some of that like passion for creativity. So talk to me a little bit about um, the beginning process or, or the starting point of um, past life, the collective, because I think uh, this is really, really the meat and potatoes. I'm really curious. And being someone who's a, you know, a woman who's an entrepreneur and a fashion creative, I think this is really, really powerful. Okay. Yeah. So, um, past. I'm a really spiritual person, and past life was thought of when I was meditating. And mm. um, I think you know that sounds really corny to a lot of people, but uh, it's when I'm meditating, it's like, honestly, when I think of like my most creative ideas and I like thought of the name and I thought of what I would do for the business, like while I was sitting down for that 20 minutes. And that was, wow. you know, the business started as that we were taking dead stock fabric, which is fabric that, um, for people who are listening, fabric that other brands and companies already produced and made and they don't use it and usually that's like I eight, love that. like 10 to 20 percent like like everybody in the industry is wasting fabric and mm -hmm. there's no reason that it should be because it's still really quality and you know i'd like to think we found some beautiful patterns um anyway mm -hmm. so we take what's deemed dead and give it a new life so that's like the whole premise of past life the collective it's like we gave something a new life and like I think it just really goes with like or goes against the grain of our culture of like this consumerism factor of like I need it new I need it now and instead it's like well let's take what we have or take what's already made and made that make that beautiful and then that has you know more value and more energy beneath it mm -hmm. totally totally let's peel back this onion even more like so you started you had the idea when meditating right the naming and you had uh, a process that you wanted to do like 
how did you start? You know what I mean? Like what were the first kind of steps that you took? Where was it reaching out to factories or manufacturers or things and seeing how much wasted fabric is, you know, out there? Obviously I know you source and and, and the fabric is from Los Angeles if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. So kinda of talk to me about like how that happens because you're 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 also in Denver, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Okay. So I there's a couple of pieces to this. First, mm-hmm. um like after I thought of that idea, I just did a lot of research. Like I mm-hmm. think that's, you know, the most important thing. And I also contacted or tried to contact as many people that worked at sustainable brands as possible because they're out there. They exist. Um, and I also took a class at um, FIT in New York. It was like an intensive course. I went, I flew out there and stayed at a friend's for like four days and it was a sustainable wow. fashion course. And at the end, you pitch your idea. So I pitched my idea at the end um, and got a ton of feedback on that. And that, of course, was, like, super informative because I don't have a background in fashion, um, you know. Totally. So this is all new to me or was all new to me. And so after I did that, then I, as I was continuing research, I um, – there's a brand called whimsy and row and I reached out to the founder there and she was willing, she was one of the only ones willing to talk to me and she let me come and shadow her in LA. I went and shadowed her for like a week. Yeah. And that was like amazing just because I just, just to even like be in an environment that's doing sustainable fashion and like all the, you know, she shared me like, she was so nice. She shared her margins to me. And like, obviously I signed an NDA and all that stuff, but like really taught me all of that shared with me where she got her fabric from, like where in downtown LA she made stuff. Um, and that was like so nice. And I think, you know, that's something that's really missing in the fashion space. Sometimes fashion people are very competitive and cutthroat with each other, but at least within mm-hmm. the sustainable business, like I always, anytime someone reaches out to me, I'm always happy to help because like we need more of that. Anyway, so totally. I did that. And then once I got back to Colorado, um, I really like set my values of the company. And one of them was that I was going to figure out how to make the clothes in Colorado. And like, I wanted mm. to figure out how to like support my local economy and also in support local people. And also mm. just like put Colorado on, Colorado on the map, kind of like, of course, uh, when you that. think of clothes, like, they're made in LA or, you know, the brands are in LA or New York, New York. Like those are the two places right. that you think of. Exactly. And I'm like, I just want like, you know, of course Denver is never going to be in LA or New York, but like there can still be some really cool things coming out of it. And I want to be Definitely. those things. So um, from there, more research. And I found a business consultant that like helps launch sustainable brands. And that was extremely helpful in the beginning of my business because like, let's be honest, I, I didn't even like really know how to make a good Excel spreadsheet. Like there were so many things that I had to learn. (laughs) Um, So that was extremely helpful. And like, um, you know, just having like people like my business and just have so many resources for me to like go find all the things. And then really it just became like a, I got really lucky, honestly. I'm uh, of things kind of falling into place pretty quickly for me. Um, not to say there's been so many hiccups 
dispense that. But uh, totally. at least for the beginning, it was kind of like, okay, I'm definitely meant to be doing this because it's not that hard to figure these things out. Totally. And I think the things that stand out to me, uh, I didn't know you had the taken the course at FIT. I think that's really, really cool. And you probably had a lot of connections doing that as well. And then reaching out to the woman that you said you reached out to who kind of showed you the ropes. Um, that's talks on the lines of mentorship, which is always going to be something that's pretty important for anybody doing something that they don't necessarily have the background in. And the thing is, is everyone starts out as a beginner. I mean, it, I read a quote, I can't remember exactly where it was from, and I always say that on my podcast because <laughs> I just read things on scroll on Twitter or on Instagram, whatever. Um, but it was it was essentially like, you know, every great person, you know, whether it be a mathematician, uh, a designer, anybody, um, they started off as a beginner. Like, the, like, just imagine that. Like, just think of like i'm right now i'm thinking of like albert einstein for some random reason <laughs> like little albert like he was just playing with like trains and toys just like all of us you know what i mean like he started somewhere right like he wasn't um albert einstein from the get-go but he developed it right and so the process for everyone's a little bit different and to hear your process is really interesting so i i like i said mentorship and, and then research is obviously always going to be a huge part of it um i think the dead stock component of past life, the collective and the naming of it. I didn't realize those things were connected. Really cool. I think someone who's listening right now is like, what the, what, what is dead stock again? Can you explain it a, just a little bit? Um, just so people really understand. Cause I think it's the core component of what makes past life, the collective sustainable. There are other components, but I think the dead stock aspect of it is like the shining star essentially. Yes. Okay. So when, um, any brand that you like goes to make clothes, the first thing that they do is they make fabric. That is a massive agriculture process that requires um, so much water, chemical dyes, all that stuff, probably going through multiple countries, etc. So that's already a massive process. Um, you know, it's cheaper. It, it's cheaper to make more than to make something once and then have to make it again so brands will make mass amounts of it or not but like they'll make you know let's say 500 yards of something then they'll go to production um and they won't use all of it and especially if that uh garment doesn't start selling well for them then they'll stop using it completely and then it's mm -hmm. they it's deemed dead they're like okay this fabric is a bust we're not using it and it either gets burned Put in, or put in landfills or now luckily there's like some places like warehouses that hold these um, things. Uh, the burning component is really common and honestly industry standard for luxury brands. You will never find um, a luxury brand fabric like secondhand basically. Um, yep. But so yeah, so then this fabric gets shipped to these warehouses and then the warehouses, the warehouse that we get it from it's like a three-story building with fabric to the full, like from the ceiling to the floor, stacked and stacked and stacked on top of each other. Um, right. It's insane. Like the first time I went in there, I honestly was like shocked. Um, and you go around with scissors and you cut swatches of fabric. And then what's interesting about all of it is like, because dead, we make our clothes out of dead stock, um, some stuff that we find, 
like we had a dress that sold out a long time ago. We only made eight of them because like that was, we only could find like 15 yards of fabric. Um, and mm-hmm. like the most, so everything we do is a small batch. And also once it's like gone, it's never coming back because that fabric's never coming back. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I love that. No. Yeah. I love the process too. It, it, it just speaks to um, going that extra step too. I think for, um, anyone who's listening who maybe wants to build their own sustainable brand in fashion or in w- whatever, um, there is a lot of opportunity out there. And I think the story behind the ability to, you know, pull fabric that is, you know, dead stock and make it in small batches is a much better story than just creating or like finding the fabric and doing it in a small batch. It's just a different kind of story that's another element to to the brand, right? Yeah, and we do things a little bit differently because, like, most of the time people design first and then they find fabric to match. We, like, find fabric that we like and then we Mm. design after. Totally, totally. Let's talk a little bit about your uh, production here in Denver. You you mentioned that you wanted to kind of put Colorado on the map. I absolutely love that. Um, I'm trying to do that in a multitude of ways right now with podcasts, with my YouTube, with my brand. Um, talk to me a little bit about the actual production in uh, the state of Colorado. Yeah, so we I found a facility pretty quickly um, that had the same values as me, which I wanted to do a zero waste production, which like very few brands are doing. Um, and that means like, if you think about it, uh, when you cut like a pattern out of a shirt like there's scraps left of that fabric i wanted to make sure that those scraps were not going in the trash and that they're being repurposed Mm -hmm. or properly recycled and so the place Mm -hmm. that i found um the woman kimber kind of like took me in and also kind of became a mentor to me because when i first met her i really you know i didn't really know what i was doing i needed like a lot of hand holding and um and she she held my hand quite frankly um and so yeah this small they started my career um in a different space but there's always been like i want to say between like five to like eight seamstresses there and um kimber who runs the place she also was my pattern maker um and they do they do the full service there they do the cutting and grading um and they do they she helped me like purchase notions which is like notions is on the word for buttons and all that stuff and she helped make sure that all of that stuff was sustainable for me and they also did with our leftover scraps um from the production we screen printed our care instructions on them and those are um they get shipped in the mail when people purchase something as like the hang tag uh and she helped do all of that and i don't like i went and visited a lot of production places and most are not going to give you the time of day to do that. Additionally, working with dead stock is much harder than working with um, a roll of fabric that you order. And that's because dead stock, not only are of course the yardages are different, but also with dead stock, the widths of the rolls are different. Mm. That makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. it's harder to like, they have to do a lot of like hand cutting out the patterns instead of like using a machine. Um, machine, yeah. Yep. Anyways, so, and then on top of all of that, um, 
I just like loved the idea of being able to go into her studio literally whenever, talk to all the people who are sewing the clothes, see what's going on in their lives. And like, it just gave me such peace of mind that these people were being treated like well and enjoyed their space and, um, and like we're excited to be working with a Colorado brand. Totally, totally. And how did you, I think someone's listening right now and they're thinking to themselves, like, how did she orchestrate this relationship? Is there any insight to that? Maybe how you were able to, was it just, because uh, you said, you mentioned that some, some <clears throat> excuse me, some of these factories, some of these manufacturers won't give you the time of the day. And yeah. for this one, it's really interesting to hear that, you know, someone who's willing to kind of put that extra mile in, is it because they have a passion for sustainable clothing? Is it because you appeal to their better nature? Talk to us about that a little bit. I think it also just comes down to like the, like the small business vibe. Like my production is also very much a small business vibe. And like mm-hmm. from there, you just kind of create this like mutual understanding of like, you're too young she's also really young like young people trying to hustle and like make it and um Mm -hmm. and make something great but I think like in general there's a like there's resources out there um one of the first things that I did was um it's called the Denver Institute of Design and I reached out to them right away and they I spoke with someone there and like you can you can get like a booklet full of pattern makers and seamstresses and cutters and sewers and grading places and all this stuff um, within Denver even. And cause they exist. Um, but you totally. just have to, you have to like also, you know, for people listening, if you're wanting to create something, you have to think about like what type of clothes you're making because also certain productions like don't have sewing machines that will, um do what you're looking for like there's different sewing machines for knits um and this was like a whole new learning process for me uh as i'm sure it would be for anyone starting out but you know that's really important is making sure that the facilities that you're talking to are even capable of doing like what you want to do totally totally let's flip the switch and talk a little bit more about kind of the aesthetic of past life the collective you know, uh, some people, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but when I do research, you know, oftentimes I look through, you know, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn is a big one that I try to look through just to get an understanding of maybe past experiences and whatnot. And, you know, I've had the privilege of just kind of taking a look in a gander, as some people might say, at your, your IG and past life's IG. Um, and I was impressed initially by the aesthetic for one, like photography and editorial work. Um, some of the, I think there's a magazine function as well on your, on your site or a, a blog functionality essentially. And all of these things are really cohesively done. If you guys have the time, obviously if you're listening and maybe you're walking or maybe you're just passively listening and you just check on your phone right now. I think your Instagram ad is what, it's just past life, the collective, right? Yeah. Or what is it? Yeah. 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 Past life, the collective, just take a look as we're talking about this. Cause so you can have a better idea, right? Um, talk to me, Berkeley, a little bit about your kind of eye for, or, or your brand's eye for the photography and the kind of vibe that you want to give off because production and making garments is one piece and having a, an entire aesthetic and a feel to what you do is another piece. That's also very important, right? So true. Um, and that's such an important thing to know. Like 
making the clothes and the production of my brand is was is such a small part like it's so small in comparison to like everything else that's going on and what my favorite part of my brand is is what you're talking about now and it's like um like our photography and the aesthetic that we have and the language of the brand and the magazine portion that is like really what I love the most about the brand um I have become really great friends with our photographer her name is Nikki Nixon and she's so talented and um just like I think I mean it's really lucky when you have such good like vibes with each other and she just knows exactly (laughs) what I was looking for and um we I got lucky in finding like some models that I knew were very up and coming um and kind of hit that on the head and yeah I just that part is like so fun to me because I just think like photo like photos speak a million words you know what is that saying that's not what it is but you know what I'm talking about and totally the I just want to give off like the like I think the photos give off the language of the brand which is really just like like that sustain like sustainability is like an effortless cool girl vibe like you don't have to be like wearing some beige sack and like eating your guard out of your garden only to be sustainable like you can be any kind of gal or any kind of woman to be sustainable and that's really what I'm trying to like embody and that it's like fun um and then like the blog portion of the or magazine I is like probably my favorite part of the brand and um we do one of the features that we do on there that I just really enjoy it's called creative creatures and it started yeah. during the pandemic um and I would send like a creative person that I admired like based off Instagram or like someone I knew even uh some clothes and then a disposable camera and like basically ask them to shoot themselves in their home or like have someone shoot them and then they sent all that stuff back got it developed and then led with um an interview and I just think it's like so inspiring to talk to or to you know read these interviews or talk to these people about like what mediums they work with what inspires them you know even things like what's on their bedside table um and I think that's really added like a lot of value to the brand because you know being I don't want to just like sell clothes like that doesn't like that's not a value to a customer like I want to like mm-hmm. offer a lot more to people um totally. and I think that's like how you you know that's like the long game you know if you're just pushing clothes down people's throats like you're eventually you know it's not going to matter but if you provide a community um then you'll stick around totally it'll fizzle out if you don't have value beyond maybe quality clothing i mean for a lot of brands it's lifestyle for sustainability it's you know the ethical and the um just i don't know how i want to say goodness to the earth (laughs) that's how i want to say it (laughs) you know that 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 aspect of it and and with you know enriching enriching content blog content i didn't know you sent that's actually a really interesting concept i've actually never heard of that you send in a disposable and you have a prompt really really cool i mean i did not know that i was looking at it just right now you have it looks like someone named chloe on right now yes yeah and Um, that one i actually shot her because now we're out of the pandemic but um mm, yeah yeah. like the most recent one for when people listen to this chloe like she's so cool she owns a tattoo shop in denver um 
and like also does a million other things and I just think like that honestly like I get a lot of my inspiration from like other creative women and like people that are just like doing what they want to do because I feel like so many people are just paralyzed and afraid to do what they actually want to do um true and that's like really why do you think that is Berkeley um why do you think think people are paralyzed Oh, I, I mean, I feel like this is like a psychology like question. I feel like, I mean, I think that goes back to people's childhoods, honestly. Like, and mm. and I think also we live in this world of like, I think it's, you know, the norm is like being broken, but we live in this world. It's like, you grow up, you go to college, you get a good job, you get married, like you live this like heteronormative life and that's what you're supposed mm. to do. Like you go on vacation once a year. And Mm. I think people are, you know, people are so stuck in this, like, narrative of, like, that's safe. And, like, yeah, you can make money that way. But, like, they're in there to to, to actually do what you want to do. You might not make money. And, unfortunately, like, money, even though it's a construct, is the way our world works. And, like, you do need to have some way that you're supporting your life. And so I... I really think that's why people get paralyzed and stuck because there's like that fear and also like the comparison and like imposter syndrome that everyone struggles with. Totally. Totally. I think uh, I wanted to ask you that just ad lib because um, it's a question I think about oftentimes for others, right? Like, and if there's a million and one answers and reasons why I think you have a really succinct one as well. And I know for me, like just thinking about, you know, why maybe um, some people don't do what they do or why I decided to do what I do because I'm in the same, I kind of think about things the same way you do. I really enjoy having this conversation right now. Like I truly do. It's, I'm, you're a part of the Beyond the Garment podcast community at this point. I really enjoy that. And I enjoy the people who get value out of listening, right? But for me, like the biggest reason why I even started, and hopefully this can be serve as some inspiration for somebody else as well, is that for me, one of the biggest motivators is this idea of regret. It's just one of them. And I think that for me, I, I, I it's kind of weird. I imagine myself like 75 years old looking back at my life. And I think to myself, like at 75, like did I get as much out of my life as I could and what would have stopped me? Right. And I think about like why and fear is one of those things that I think a lot of people wrestle with. And comparison is one, like you said, and judgment. So I just wanted to just no, ask I that. love you know, that. Just... No, no, that I think that was a great question. And I also I enjoy I yeah, the regret factor for sure. I understand. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a huge balance so, between all of it, though, I think. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Um, so like I kind of mentioned in the pre intro, um, I visited your pop-up shop in Boulder and I go to Boulder often. I love going to canoe club and going shopping there and different things. Um, and I actually, my girlfriend really is who introduced me to you and, and what you guys do. And so, um, talk to me a little bit about ma- the idea of having a permanent store or retail store. Cause you guys have the pop-up right now. It's really beautiful, beautifully done. I should I should probably come and do like a YouTube video on it because I think people more people should see it. Um, but um, talk to me a little bit about like permanent retail space. Is that in the, the cards for you? First Canoe Club is a very cool store. I agree. I love all of their magazines. I go in there and look at all of them. Mm-hmm. Anyways, and they have a tailor in store. 
not trying to hype yep. them up too much. Uh, but for us, the pop-up store had, honestly was like the biggest blessing, like like probably the only positive of COVID. Um, but we just got the opportunity to um, be in a space while they're trying to actually lease it out. And um, it's been amazing because people like you discover it and um, Boulder is pretty touristy in the summer. So lots mm-hmm. of people discover it. Um, from this experience, I have realized the value of a store, but I have also realized my dislike of um, being in it. And I think <laughs> that's largely because I am pretty sensitive and I don't like hearing when people don't like something or when people are like commenting about the clothes. It's like talking about my child. Like I don't have a child, but like past life is my child. And so like someone's like, totally. it's so expensive. I'm just like, oh, please don't be in here. Then. <laughs> um, so the idea of a store is definitely like fluttering in my mind. I, I also like have really loved doing pop-ups and um would like to play around with the idea of popping up in other cities for like a couple weeks or like a month um because that way like you know when you have a store it's a literal billboard for people just to discover you um it's not Mm -hmm. like just about the sales in the store it's like really about people being like what is that i'm curious i'm gonna go in okay now i'm gonna shop online or whatever Mm -hmm. so um yeah i you know, I didn't really answer your question because I don't know, but um, <laughs> not now is the answer. But I think more pop ups for sure. Um, What's what cities would you want to do pop ups in? I would love to do pop up in like Brooklyn. Um, mm. Yeah, I would love to do one there. I think my. I would do pop ups like where we sell really well online, which is funny. Like I sell really well. Um, in like georgia (laughs) and over there so i've never been but like you know going to like those communities and then also i'd love to go up to like um the bay area i think the brand would do well up there i don't want to go to la because it's just like being done already there like it's such the space of that and i don't need to add to that craziness yeah the bay area is nice i was i was there um in june it was very very fun. I like it up there. Um, one of the some of the last couple of questions I want to ask you about past life. Um, hopefully, once again, hoping to serve value uh, for someone who is also looking to build something. And the and the question is is what goals do you want to accomplish with past life, the collective, in the next few years? So that's an interesting question. Um, I feel like I would have answered it so differently before pandemic, but the pandemic has like taught me so much about being a business owner. And one of those things is that you need to be like really flexible and fluid with your Mm -hmm. business and like really open to what your business can morph into. Like Mm -hmm you may have an idea or an ideal dream of what you want, but if the world or people are telling you otherwise by like their um, consumption behavior, like what they're buying from you or like what's happening in the world, you need to listen to that. So the goal really right now for past life is we have another, we have a small collection coming out in just over a month. Um, 
And the real goal of all of it is to really figure out like what my customer really wants and, um, and wants to see continue and like what else the brand can offer. Um, like I said earlier, I don't want to be just like close. Like I would really like to, you know, evolve past that and offer more, um, not from like the consumption side, but just from like the, you know, the magazine portion and like totally being a space that people can come and like learn about sustainability, like how to incorporate that in their life, all of that stuff. Um, and I also <laughs> would like to get men's clothing brought in because like that is like oh. one of the that's one of the biggest things that I have um received feedback about is how many men want want something and like there's in terms of sustainable fashion for men there's quite a bit less um mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. again like that's really listening to your customer and also listening to like the market and you know you can't I can't be stubborn like you really can't be stubborn you have to just be flexible and go with um if the wave is pushing you one way you should probably ride that wave you know totally totally I think the menswear idea is really really good idea I was talking to um one of your employees Ariana about it actually we were talking about it in the store um because I was looking at obviously I was in there I was looking at things with my girlfriend but then there was a section I think that had some vintage items as well that were really interesting um a little bit too small um but still very very cool and you were just chopping up about that I love that idea I think that'd be really really sweet so thanks I will um note it down that you said that yeah, write it down. You know, sometimes I like to give out some gym ideas, you know, for yeah. free. <laughs> free ideas. <laughs> and your listeners, if that's a good idea, you guys should let them know. Totally, totally. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are two questions I want to ask you before we conclude. Um, one is kind of more so about inspiration and, and kind of your opinion. And the last one is kind of like a concluding question that hopefully once again will serve to bring some value. And the first question I want to ask you is what are some other brands, designers, creatives that you're a fan of that you look at and you go, wow, like they are killing it. They're doing a great job. There's so many and it's like constantly changes for me, but um, right now I'm really inspired this brand called Christy Dawn. They are doing like a farm to closet initiative. So like talking about being like the creme de la creme of sustainability, they're doing it. And I think mm-hmm. like, that's so cool. Um, I love that in terms of like aesthetics, um, and vibes, uh, there's this brand called sporty and rich that I really love right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. They're sporting rich. Yeah. And they've like, you know, they've been cool for like a year and a half and really remained like relevant and cool, which is um, Mm. tough. And then, and really, it's like, I feel like it's going to be very popular soon. She's called Belle the Label. It's a swimwear brand. Um, Hmm. She makes everything in Bali. uh, And the aesthetic, her photography, film is like really having a moment and she is um capitalizing on that and i really like all of that um and i like her she's creative and cool and there's so many cool creative people on instagram um Mm -hmm. that i love following 
Yeah, I I'm honestly trying to take a break from Instagram right now because I feel like it is also a poisonous place. So I can't. It can be totally. I, I can't give you names, but I can tell you that they constantly change. And um, in terms of like creatives, also on Instagram or whatever, for people looking, look for like the small like the the people that don't have a ton of followers like those people are the ones who are really interesting to me because like mm-hmm. i don't know it just doesn't seem like everything else it's a different grain you know I, I totally get you i honestly connect with more people who are small like i love dming with people who are smaller who are doing dope things because it's like oh like you're not getting the credit but i can see that you have something there you know what i mean that's that's yeah. a lot of fun um, I love, I mean, Sporting and Rich is a, a brand that's been kind of, like like you said, been very relevant, very popular for a year or so. Um, and I'll definitely have to check out those other ones um, for sure, for sure. So very, I like your list. I think you, you gave some names. I like the list. I like the some list. Names. I also am really into following girls who um, sell vintage and guys. Yeah. I, I mean, vintage, the, vintage never goes out of style and there are some oh, really sure. talented thrifters out there and i just love that yeah i love i love the i love the thrift i know i don't know there's this one shop in denver i can't remember the name is it on broadway um, yes yes it's, it's and on they broadway. have they carry like a ton of denim in it yes i know exactly. yeah i know exactly what you're talking about yeah um it's called like California does, does it have California in the name or something like that or I don't know I I think we know what we're talking about we know what we're talking really about we're just blowing it on the name but yeah it's a great, <laughs> that's a great great vintage store yeah 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 I, I plan to do some more vintage shopping here soon and checking out what Colorado's to offer well and have you well, been to like the fake vin- or I don't know if they're fake the vintage stores on like 16th street mall now or like in that area there's like a new like Mm. I don't know. I think they're trying to make that part of Denver cool again. I I haven't honestly. I, I I try to stay away from 16th Street Mall. Um, for the most part, I, not not to say that anything's wrong. In my opinion. I just oftentimes don't find things that are really that suit my style. Um, yeah. I think um, if there could be some things I haven't I haven't checked in a long time. Honestly. Yeah. One of the last questions I want to ask you is the question of, of, of about motivation um, because I think it's an interesting question. I think, you know, I kind of wanted to, to crack this egg open. And the question is, what drives you to continue to work on Past Life, the collective, each and every day? Um, it's very easy. Uh, it's people's feedback of the fact that they learned something and got some more out of the brand than just a cool new dress and yeah for people listening it means especially to small brands it literally means the world when you dm us or email us telling us that you have now started implementing some practice into your life um because of that so that's that's really the big why i keep going and it's like especially when you're you know you're shipping to like strangers across the country and yeah. and they email you back telling you how happy they are with their purchase and also that they are starting to do compost or something like fun or whatever that just like yeah. means the world to me or like that they just never understood like the value of a hand-sewn good until now and it's like mm. great i did i did my my part and now that person can go carry that into their friend group and yeah so that's 
that's what drives me totally we can i love that we can end on that where can people find out more about you if they want to connect with you and or an indoor past life the collective um you can find me on instagram at berkeley bearing i might be private but i will unprivate myself uh and past life is on instagram as well at past life the collective we're also on pinterest if you like to create mood boards and all that stuff past life the collective and then you can shop us at com. <laughs> love it love it thank you so much berkeley uh hopefully we'll be in talk soon to get some stuff done here and uh it was a pleasure having you on thank you i really enjoyed it hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode with berkeley i will be showcasing her pop-up on my youtube channel so if you have not seen any of my youtube videos and you want to check out her pop-up it'll be in this sunday's video august 15th And it'll be essentially kind of like a vlog style video. So I'll be showcasing some other things in Colorado. But I think that if you really want to get an essence for what Berkeley's design and style and ethos of the brand, I think the video is going to be really fun for that. And of course, you can check out Past Life Collective on Instagram and you can find out information about them like that. Let's get into the post podcast analysis. I'm very excited to talk about this one. Let's do it. Oh yeah, real quick, my YouTube channel, you can just search Drew Joiner and you'll find my YouTube channel like that and then you can just go to the most recent video. All right, now let's actually get into the post-podcast episode analysis. This is kind of specific, but I think for anyone who has a brand who wants to get into more of the technical aspect of creating clothing, one of the things Berkeley mentioned was that she reached out to the Denver Institute of Design, which... In every state, probably in every country, in every region, there's an institute or there's a college or there's a way to figure out information about manufacturers in your area, whether it be going to a convention, whether it be reaching out like I'm mentioning right now and like what Berkeley said, there's a ton of resources. So for me, like someone who's always thinking about how can I improve my manufacturing, how can I work more locally, how can I source things better, how can I improve my business, reach out to those resources. You'd be surprised to find how much people are willing to help you if you just were to reach out and and see what they can do for you and vice versa. The next thing I want to mention that stood out to me about this episode was when Berkeley was talking about how she had to make adjustments during COVID-19 and just make adjustments to what she thought her business was going to be about. And I think we all kind of had to make adjustments, especially in the early stages, right? I'll tell you some of my kind of backstory on Edward Joyner, my brand. When I started Edward Joyner in 2020, you know, my idea was that I'm going to start this brand. People are going to love it. People are going to flock to it. And I was wrong. I mean, I kind of fell flat on my face and a lot of people fall flat flat on their face just to realize how difficult it really is to build a brand, how difficult it is to manufacture, sell clothing, design clothing, do all these things. And so my initial thought is that, you know, in the early stages, I wanted to do a lot of different things. And what I've done is I've narrowed it down to this podcast, creating content personally for Drew Joiner, and then also supplementing that with, you know, creating uh, single batch drops for Edward Joiner, right? Maybe in the beginning, I was like, oh, I'll do entire collections. But for me, what I found is that I want to do single batch drops. And so that's something that's changed over the course of the lifespan of my brand. And, you know, with everything, whether it be this podcast, whether it be my YouTube channel, or whether it be the brand, there have been so many things that have changed that go on behind behind the scenes. Even this post podcast analysis, I decided to do this because I thought it would be a better way to 
communicate and connect with you guys. So hopefully you guys are enjoying it. But change is inevitable. The only thing that's constant is change. And I think Berkeley reflected that in one of the topics that she mentioned in this episode. Last, I want to touch on a point that I haven't really ever touched on with this podcast. And Berkeley had mentioned it early on when she had got injured in sports. She struggled with depression and anxiety and and all these kind of mental tremors that a lot of us go through through the course of our lives. And it can affect us. It doesn't matter, you know, whether it's in fashion or whether it's in art or culture or sustainability or whatever it is. At the end of the day, we're all human beings and we all require a little bit of empathy and understanding when it comes to these sort of mental health and roadblocks is what I would like to call them right now. And so if you're someone who's going through any of those kind of things, continue to uh, to strive for the best version of yourself, continue to try to be and exist in a world that has a lot of things going on and a lot of heavy things going on right now. And so I can only, you know, extend a, a vote of positivity to you, uh, an expression of positivity, and hopefully you can get out of whatever situation you're in and just continue to work on yourself and continue to um, strive for a, a better version and a, and a more fulfilled, happier version of yourself. I mean, that's all I could ever ask for. And I don't mean to just kind of come off like, oh, you can just get over it easily. I know it's very difficult. So, um, kind of ad lib right here and hopefully it's speaking to someone but at the end of the day we all go through things and it, it, we all have to get over things and it, it's it can be difficult right it can be very difficult but other than that hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode it was great having berkeley on like i said check out the youtube channel if you're on apple podcast give us a five-star review i would truly appreciate it i'm trying to put a lot more work into these episodes and bring you guys more valuable content so give us a five-star review if you're on apple if you're not on apple uh, leave a comment. I have it at something that I want to see more of is you guys leaving comments and me engaging and having other people engage with what they get out of the episode. And it encourages other people to tune in as well. Or, you know, if you like this podcast and if you're listening to minute 54, which is where we're at right now, if you like this podcast, share it with a friend, share it with someone who you think will get a lot of value out of it. If you're a photographer, if you're an artist, if you're a painter, if you're a brand owner, if you do social media, share it with someone you care about. I mean, that's, that's what this podcast is about helping others, enriching the lives of others. And so I want to say one last thank you and I'll see you guys in next week's episode. Peace. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the episode, leave a five-star review. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, or if you're not listening on Apple podcasts, Leave us a comment on our most recent Instagram posts telling us what you got out of this episode. All right, wherever you are in the world, have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you next time.